Welcome to Invest Stories, a podcast about real stories, real estate, and taking real action. Join hosts John Cooper and Kyle Robertson as they talk investing, mindset, and taking that first step. We all have a story. What's yours? The Invest Stories Podcast. Welcome to Tuesday Techers. I know it's a cliche name. Uh, Investories podcast is all about adding value, all about adding those digestible bits of content and information. And we're super excited to bring you part two of this interview. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please reach out to us anytime you have any questions or just want to connect or say hi or say we're doing really well or hey, you could even say we're not doing well, but please don't do that. Uh, Investories podcast at gmail.com and investories pod on your socials and we look forward to hearing from you and uh, so in terms of then from rich dad poor dad to kind of absorption of everything else is there kind of like did you just go to conferences consume as much as you could or did you kind of, were you quite deliberate on what you were focusing on i guess it depends on the time frame i think i started realizing that i had something around 2013 and I was like, well, hey, if I've made money on these three properties, I can probably make money on like four or five properties at a time. And there was some truth to that. But another thought I had was like, if I just do a bigger property, if I can make 20% net yield on a, on a $115,000 house and make twenty two grand, then I can make a 20% net yield on a million dollar property and make two hundred grand, And that is so much more money than twenty grand. And so why don't I just go do that? Dallas isn't that far. There's million dollar properties in Dallas all the time. So I ended up, um, I ended up flipping. Or I ended up buying a house in Dallas. I brought, I got my first investor. And <laughs> this is not how you do this, but this is how I did. I was, I'll give you half of the profits, and I'll also pay you twelve percent interest. So basically, I did a twelve pref and gave him fifty percent of the equity, but I took all the risk. Like I took oh, all. God, are you looking for any more investors? Or yeah, uh... no, dude, yeah that's that's you know, that's called a recipe for. Uh, having to pay someone back for three years that's yeah. that's what that is so so i bought this house and, and i paid 300 grand shouldn't have paid 300 grand i picked the wrong architect he basically put a new house on top of the old house but we were using the old house as skeleton we should have used someone that knew how to like you take a take a 1930 house and kind of build into it and add square feet and do a good solid addition but i he was cheap and that's all i could afford and so um $475,000 renovation later that was only supposed to cost two hundred grand. Uh, we listed it and was like, man, I hope there's going to be a, a quick sell. Well, one thing I didn't notice is behind it was, I did notice it, I just chose not to pay attention to it, was a classy multifamily apartment complex that was so ratty that someone who wanted to live in a million dollar home didn't want to live close to that thing. Um, and so... We listed it for 950 grand, no, no offers. Uh, every house in the area went under contract within three days uh, for the duration of me owning it. And that one didn't, and it took over 230 days to get under contract, and it got under contract at a net profit of me for 646,000, I believe, and my cost was 828,000. And so uh, I didn't have the cash for that, and that was probably one of the darker times of my life, because. Every day, I knew I was over budget, kind of, I would say four months in, but I had another six months left as construction work. And so I was just trying to make it. So every time we had a surprise, it was just like a panic attack and overwhelmed. And ultimately, I was swimming in a lake that I had no business to swim in. You know, I was, I was, I swam really good laps in the hundred to $200,000 range. But in the $900,000 range, I had no idea that 
as pretentious and picky those buyers would be. And so I yeah. lost 230,000 bucks on that. I lost 78,000 of my own money. And then I lost $157,000 of, of my partner's money who he was like my best. He's still my best friend or one of my closest friends. We don't, uh, but for three years we didn't talk because, because yeah. it took me three years to get it back. To, and, I, and I realized I'm like, I, at that point, that's when I was like, I'm completely broke. I can either pay him back. I'm sorry. I can either file bankruptcy or I can figure out how to pay him back. And that's when I realized like, I just got to be a better way to buy houses in the way I've been buying them. And that's when I d discovered direct mail and how to really uh, analyze your, your, your marketing metrics, your uh, key performance indicators or KPIs. And that's when I started, uh, uh, I, like a guy showed me how to do it. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to spend two grand. Well, two grand would give me one house. So he was like, well, if two grand gives you one house, that means if you spend four grand, you're going to get two houses. I'm like, are you sure? That sounds way too simple. He goes, just try it. So um, I was like, well, I want to buy three, three, three houses a month. So I started spending six grand a month on marketing. That was in January of 2015. By April, I was consistently buying five to seven houses a month. And that lasted from June, uh, April of 2015 to when I just decided to stop, which was in um, October of 2020. Sorry, October of 2018. And in, in between that time, we ended up buying about 400 houses. I was able to pay Forrest, my partner, back. And we started talking again as friends. And uh, and then we just, we were, you know, I took I took what was like a really, really, really bad situation and I turned it into something that provided five other people jobs and we bought tons of houses in the the mclennan county area and uh and that's that's yeah so i'm curious the the payback when you paid your buddy back i mean because that doesn't happen a lot right i mean a good investor will do exactly what you did that makes you a good investor in my mm -hmm. opinion because you take care of your lenders. You take care of your partners. Um, I, I've got a handful of people in my circle right now who are experiencing exactly what you described, but it was due to the market downturn thanks to interest rates. And um, so it took you a couple, two, three years to get that money back. But did he know it was coming or did you just show up one day and be like, hey, here's your $170,000 or whatever the amount was? Definitely not. What, what was it? What was that like? <laughs> it, was, it was quite painful. Like we negotiated... We were softly negotiating with attorneys. Like I was like, "Oh, well, I'm broke. I can't pay you. Did you yeah. not realize I just lost a quarter million dollars? I don't have your money." And he goes, "Well, you guaranteed it." And I'm like, "Yeah, but and, you know, we were going back and forth and eventually like I was like I was like I like he was being so soft with his attorney's responses. Like stuff like like I'm like, "I'm pretty sure the attorney didn't recommend him to say that or do that." And so essentially what happened is I told him like I started because I started having traction. I was like, I'm like, I think I can get it back to him. And once I had some hope, that's when I'm like, I can be a man of my word. It wasn't that I didn't want to be a man of my word. It was like, I'm like not a man of my word and I'm also broke. I don't know how to get out of this. I don't have anything going for me here. Um, when I, when I, uh, when I realized I started having hope, I'm like, there's more houses, there's profit to be made here. That's when I was like, I can get it back. I can get it back because he's a friend of mine. I wanted to pay him back. And so essentially, we agreed to, if I could, I knew he was such a savvy investor, if I could give him the bulk majority of his principal back within a certain time period, uh, he would forgive the rest. He'd forgive the, the interest payments, that sort of thing, which was the actual bulk majority was somewhere around $125,000, but the 157 was like 
interest payments, that sort of thing. So I was like, well, maybe if I can just give him a hundred grand back, he can forgive the rest because that, and, and that will give me something to, to aspire to, to hope for that sort of thing. So I basically, I said like, Hey, I'll give you five grand back a month. I'll pay five. I'll, I'll, my minimum payment can be wall street journal prime plus zero. So it was like four and a quarter at the time, I think. Um, so it was like a $425 payment. And then I, this, then I started throwing in five grand when I ever like had it. And then when I realized I had, I had to make five grand payments for the next 18 months to pay in full, that's when I was like, all right, we're going full sin here. We need five grand, five grand, five grand. And he got back and it ended up later. He, we had coffee after not talking. He goes, dude, that was the biggest blessing of my life because he was going through some personal change challenges in his life. And he wasn't able to buy any real estate or do any other, other, uh, be a broker or anything because of certain things going on in his life. And he's like, that was, he goes, just know that you committing to paying me back is how I'm here today. And I was, I've been able to make it. So that was a really great story. Um, I would prefer to tell people just, you know, that's a good way to do things, but I would just recommend also not stepping out of your boundary on buying a million dollar property when you're used to buying $200,000 properties. Right. Um, that's, that's, that's what I would prefer to tell you, tell people, but, but, uh, so it, it was, you, I love the story. I mean, that's amazing. You talk about overcoming adversity. That's gotta be terrifying, you know, to know that you're just losing a quarter million dollars and you, and you have no money. And, uh, but you just, you know, slogged through it. And over the next two to three years, you were able to pay that money back and, and keep the integrity, which is huge. Um, so 2018, you said you were doing this until 2018. What changed then? Yeah. I just would like to say, before we get into that story, I made a lot of money from, from between there and 2018. Okay. Things went really well for me. All the yeah. investors got paid. Banks loved me. It was great. In October of 2018, I, we had, um, we were clicking about 20 houses a month. Uh, we would do, and it got to be where I knew I was, I was pushing the system too much and then I back off. So in May of 2018, I had back surgery and I was on my bed for a month. And when I came back, I think I'd been gone for four weeks, zero houses had been purchased. And I was like, we had to buy guys, by the way, FYI, we have to buy houses to keep this thing going. So I was like, give me the list of all the leads we got last month. And then I, I'm going to take the lead. Call, I'm going to take all the calls for here to uh, in, for another month, and then we can worry about the acquisition role. Um, and so, yeah, it, I think at that time we didn't have an acquisition guy, and that's what, like the operator was trying to be the acquisition guy at the same time, and he wasn't really an ac acquisition guy. And so I came back, I took the leads, I bought, uh, took the old leads, called all of them, see if they still wanted to sell, and then I, I, then every lead I got, I ended up buying 22 houses that month. And so Travis says there's an observation there, which is. You didn't. You wanted to be irreplaceable, and then you were irreplaceable. Yes. And then, <laughs> and that was the challenge, right? Right, right. I, I went home for a month. I'm like, let's just see. It's kind of like the stress test, really. Everything went really well, but when you don't have houses, then of course everything went really well. No one's doing anything, <laughs> and so, so we bought 22 houses, and that was the stress test of me being gone. They made that, but the stress test of me buying 22 houses uh, crushed crushed them. And so, um, no one could keep up. We couldn't get crews for the 22 houses we bought. And I was still buying houses. And I was, I was like, I like the acquisition rule. I like this. Let's keep going. And so we ended up buying a ton of homes and it ended up just breaking the system. We ran out of cash. It's not because we were foolish with our cash. It's because we weren't able to dispose of the assets we were buying. We were able to, uh, 
reposition the assets fast enough and to dispose of them as quickly as we needed to. So because of that, that's how we ran out of cash. And so I was looking at the situation I got in and I was like, we have 72 rentals and we were pretty sure the property manager of the 72 rentals were stealing money from us, but we couldn't figure it out. I had gone to some, they, they were like, we got to replace that vinyl plank. And I'm like, we just laid that vinyl plank nine months ago. Oh, it needs to be replaced. So I'm like, it's vinyl plank. It's plastic. It's like literally the hardest stuff on earth. <laughs> That's why we use it on rentals. I, I like break into a house. Vinyl plank is perfect. I'm like, we have an issue here. How, how long has this been going on? So we had the 70, those 72 houses where we had an issue of rentals and potential theft going on. And then we had 42 renovations going. And so immediately I was like, I was meeting with a construction manager and uh, I was like, where are we at here? Where are we at here? And he didn't have good data on anything. I was like, all right, um, you have the car, the truck keys. And I'm like, all right, give them to me. Okay, thank you. You can get out of my office now. <laughs> like it was literally just like that. I'm like, it's clear that he's not doing his job. So why am I paying him for it? And why am I giving him a truck to find it? He's like, I don't have a ride. I'm like, well, you should go Uber or something because you're not going to use much money. <laughs> right. So that truck's mine. Now. I'm going to, I'm going to drive it. Um, so we ran out of money and I was like, okay, we've got to figure this out. I'm like looking at it. My integrator, who was a good dude says, I think we need 150 grand. I was like, well, we have 42 houses. We need to sell these houses. He goes, well, they're not ready to sell. And that's when I, th that's when I met with the general, the construction guy and realized we were having an issue. So I go, um, so we went reconvene. This is all within like a three hour time. I, I reconvene. I got, you find, uh, you figure out how we're going to pay the 150 K back. I'll go get it. And that was me going, I need an hour alone to figure out what's going on. So I looked at all the data. I knew, thankfully I knew every street and what they, what the renovation was and what we could sell it for. And I'm like, we're not going to be able to do this without, with staff. Like I can't do it with a $40,000 a month uh bank bankroll or you know pay up payroll so i just came back i was like hey i'm gonna close my business uh it's not an operator this i was like we're gonna close the business i'll tell the girls by or i'll tell the girls that we're we're closing up i need you to go talk to these two people and, and say we're, we're done and then just go hang just go tell your wife because we were pretty good friends at that point and so i let them all go i took all my all my documents and everything we need all the all the crucial documents i took them home to my my house and I started a 28 month process of unwinding that crap. And so um, the hardest one was getting rid of the rentals because the, the uh, stealing property manager was uh, heavy handing the contract. So he was like, if we sold it and he knew about it, we had to pay him 6%, which was like crush, crushing our, our, our margins and it wasn't helping us. So we were like, we had to terminate it, wait 30 days to close. We didn't really have 30 days to close. Um, same time we listed, I had like 20, I was a broker. So I listed all of our houses, uh, every project got listed no matter what. I'm like, I'll sell it to you. I'll sell it in project mode. Uh, and it, and we were just kind of cl clearing things out. I knew I'd bought it deep enough to get out of it, but I don't know if I had bought deep enough to get out of it fast enough. And so, um, so yeah, we ended up, it took 28 months. Every day was pretty painful. Most a lot, at the beginning, I would say the first two months, first six to eight weeks was like screaming in a pillow, stressful. Um, and then, uh, and then, but eventually like after a year, I remember looking up, I'm like, Oh, it's been, it's October of the next year. It's like 2019. Like I made it an entire year without everything falling apart. And, uh, and that's when I realized I'm like, okay, I probably need to figure out something better to do because I had the 2014 loss. 
I had a couple other like handful like lawsuits in between that we haven't didn't talk about. Then I, I had the huge loss, and then uh, right before the huge loss or the huge debacle in October 2018, we had a house flood. I'm like, I think I just want to be out of the house business. Like I love real estate. I love the acquisition. I love the wealth accumulation. I love the acquisition side, but I do not like how with the house you have to have so many spinning plates up in the air and hope that they don't crash before everything crashes. And so that's how we ended up getting in storage. We unwound everything, and then we uh, then we decided like, all right, let's take the same model, the same aggressive nature, and let's go after storage. That's awesome, and. So it took you, you said, 28 months to dispose of all of the houses that you had. So yeah. this was a complete wind down of your single family fix and flip business. And yeah, were you I, keeping I, any of those houses or were, were these all intended for flips? So you didn't 72, want them. 72 of them were rentals. So those were like the ones we kept. And then I had 42 renovations. So whatever that is, 106 uh, properties, we wound down all the way till, um, all the way, all the way to, I own Ford still, but one of them is about to sell. And so, and the reason why I still own Ford is because the bank uh, never took a loss. That's really important I, for me to say that the bank never took a loss. And like, but they would help me out. Like they're like, well, hey, on this one house at, off of Chestnut, what's what do you need me to sit? What do you need me to what's what payoff do you need? We can move it over to this other house. And they did that for seventy two houses, and they got ended up getting four houses, which were basically underwater, but at the same time they were rented. So they were paying, I was paying the mortgage. So it doesn't matter. And now, dude, now, dude, those things are worth so much more. I know. <laughs> they're, right? they're not any different. And I was going to say 2019. Hit, we right? can't, and we can't do that. We, I do that all the time. I'm constantly looking back like, oh shit, what did I well, do? Dude, I, I can't I believe I sold we were, this. We were losing money on the, on the, on the yeah. rentals. We were losing money. It, everything was good. So like for every week I would have a meeting with the bank. Every uh, week, I'd, I'd call my two biggest hard money lenders, and th these aren't like institutional grade money lenders. These are like a dude in College Station, a guy in Temple. You know, the guy. I had 28 loans with Jeff in, in College Station. He took zero haircuts. He got all of his. I couldn't pay him monthly because we were out of cash. But when we would sell a house, he would tack on interest payments. He would tack on whatever he needed to get made, get made whole, and he was made whole over 28 houses and then jimmy was also made whole i think he only had seven or eight houses with me but he was made whole jimmy and i just like and this is the reason why you gotta pay your investors and make them whole yeah it sucks to do that because you're just hurting and everything's bleeding and you're like i don't want to do this but me and jimmy just finished a five house subdivision like we had our last house in the contract he his contribution was 300 grand and i got the loan he made two hundred and seventy thousand dollars on that three hundred grand, and then I can it was a fifty fifty split, so I made two hundred seventy thousand dollars as well. So that is why you always make sure you pay your lenders back and you always pay your banks back. No matter how painful, and if you can't pay them back, you meet with them and say, "This is where I'm at, and this is the strategy of how I get, I, how I'm going to get out of it." It could be a complete bullshit strategy, but if you're like, "I'm, just, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to get out of it," that's that's so much better than you ghosting them because if you ghost them, they're going to foreclose on you every time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Investories podcast. And uh, as you can imagine, we're super stoked with that content, amazing strategies, amazing techniques um, that we've really been able to dig into. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing kind of the next phase of that, which is really all about uh, the case study kind of real world examples and how you can do the same. We're going to call it Wednesday Wins. And 
we will tackle that on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Investories Podcast. We all have a story. What's yours?